Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ayo, and I'm coming at you from Portland, Oregon. I made it across the country. If you remember from last week's episode, I did have some vehicle issues, but as you know, everything is perfect. Everything works out. Everything is always taken care of as it's meant to be, and the vehicle is fixed. I got on the road, and I made it up to Oregon. I'm here with my family now. I've got my house up here, my brother, my mom, my niece. my You know, a lot of my family is up here in Oregon, and I try to get here every summer to see them and to check in on some some of my real estate up here as well. But I want to get into this week's episode because I'm actually going to do two primary principles in this episode. We're going to complete the primary principle series with this episode. So just very quickly to begin, like we created a foundation or two weeks ago, we created a foundation with everything is a story. So everything is a story. Everything begins here. This is the singularity. This is where all things come. All things come from this very foundation of truth, which is that everything is a story. It's like the Big Bang. It's like before that, there was nothing. Everything came from the Word, right? The Word is the story. Before the Word, there was nothing. Like there may have been something. There may have been something for humans. There may have been humans. There may have been things. Like, you know, we we look at time. We try to figure out the the age of the universe, right? We're looking at the cosmos. We're looking at as, uh, uh, astronomy. We're looking at astrophysics. And we're, we try to figure it all out. We want to know how old is the universe? How old is the earth? How old are these things? But as far as human beings are concerned, everything begins with the word. Everything begins when we can communicate with each other, when we can essentially step into circumstance level one and begin telling ourselves and each other a story about the nature of reality. And from that point, we were able to take off because we're able to now communicate thought or communicate feeling, communicate action, communicate result. Through that communication, we are building a story. We went from living as a part of creation to an active creator of creation. And that is done through the word that's done through the story. So the foundation is that everything is a story. And then last week, the primary principles began. I started with the primary principles and I began with the first one, which is everything is perfect. Now, perfect is to say neutral. Remember that, brothers? Perfect means neutral. It doesn't mean good. It doesn't mean positive. It doesn't mean, you know, right. It means that it's neutral. It's balanced. It has yin-yang energy that exists in our experience of duality. So perfection is two opposites held together in a constantly unfolding moment. In every moment, there is a conservation of matter and energy that equals perfection. If we were to combine all the things and stuff that happen in that moment, in that snapshot of time, it would be perfect. All things exist at once in that in that very fraction. It's not even a fraction of time because time is measured over movement. It's just like a snapshot of like one, one moment, just the now. 
all things exist as once as we experience it as a, as again, a snapshot, as a photograph rather than a video. And that is the core of the concept. Subjectivity can only enter in with the passing of time and the use of the past. The past can be years ago or seconds ago. If we were to judge a span of 10 minute drive, say we're out on the road, we're out on the road for 10 minutes, and we're judging this 10 minute drive, it can be easy to compare the first five minutes of the drive where there's no traffic to the second five minutes of the drive where there is traffic. And we make the present moment in that second five minutes worse than the first five minutes, worse than the past. We focus on the past as better, right? No traffic is better. And in the present, there's something wrong. And then we experience cognitive suffering, which is a self-imposed insanity. So we have this measurement of life we call time, and we use it to constantly be comparing and judging the present moment, which is perfect, that present moment where everything is, that's where we find bliss. That's where we find love. That's where we find happiness. That's where we find perfection. And we move away from it into the past or the future. This is why we miss the perfection of the right here and the right now. We miss it because we are blind to it. The mind is unconsciously acting in judgment of what it cannot understand. It is seeking a problem where there is none. It is wanting to maintain an authority it doesn't have. So instead of thinking of life as a video, right, as a, as a movement, as it's some sort of elapsing of time, whether that's a minute, an hour, a day, a year, rather than thinking of life as a video, consider it to be a series of snapshots, a series of photos, snapshots taken in moments of time perfect moments of time. And when you put them together, when you put all of these photographs together, kind of like a flip book, each moment taken separately is perfect. You put them together in this kind of flip book, sort of like those old cartoons were done. You know, each cartoon, each cell was drawn independently. And as you put it together, you begin to see the motion. You can see the motion of how each snapshot creates an unfolding of time. And in that perfection, with the elapsing of time, there may appear through the subjectivity of mind to be something wrong because we're comparing it to a previous snapshot. But in each snapshot, there is only neutral perfection. And as the limit approaches zero, you can then to get begin to extrapolate that out into motion where the lack of motion, the zero, is always perfect and therefore the sum of the parts, the whole, the movement, the eternity is also a reflection of perfection. Now you can witness this. You can recognize this yourself. You can do this at any time. It's something that I teach at the academy. In fact, this is a primary principle. And because it's something I teach at the academy, it is a process to experiencing the perfection of everything. Basically, you become aware of your unconscious. You use your consciousness to become aware of how you unconsciously judge the environment. Now, since your consciousness is monitoring your unconsciousness, right? You use your consciousness to pay attention to the way your unconsciousness moves through life without being aware of the moment, how the unconsciousness is always ahead or behind. And you're using your unconsciousness to do this your consciousness may want to step in, right? Because then you become aware. You use your consciousness to be in the moment, but then your consciousness wants to step in and judge your unconsciousness. And it'll say things like, hey, don't judge this or that, right? Because your unconscious will label something. It'll label it as as wood or as brown or as, you know, blue or as tall or short or, you know, it'll, it'll just maybe even throw labels out there. 
And when it labels something, then your consciousness will say, don't do that, right? Don't judge this. Don't create subjectivity here. Because when we're creating subjectivity, that judgment is a comparison. It's either a information from the past or it's comparing to the past. So it'll say, don't judge this or that. That's what the conscious mind does when we begin this process. Or it'll label something and then it'll reject the label. Resisting is thought. It is comparing to another time. So if my consciousness says, oh no, I just had a thought, right? It's talking about my unconscious. It's judging my unconscious. My consciousness says, oh no, I just had a thought. Don't have a thought don't judge the thing, don't label the thing or whatever my consciousness is doing, then in that moment, I am in a process of comparing to another time, right? My consciousness is. So you have to have your consciousness monitor your unconsciousness and you also need to shut down your consciousness from speaking about or over the unconsciousness. And what is going to monitor the conscious mind? What will observe your consciousness? Is it you? That's the question. Is it you that's doing this? Or is it another level of you, of your own consciousness, another level of that meta-consciousness that you have? The mind that observes the conscious mind and brings us into the moment so that we can observe perfection, so that we can literally see it, be one with it, recognize that we were never not a part of it, and receive inspiration from the universal mind, the one mind, that which makes everything one, this construct of force that keeps everything bound together. The reason everything is formed, the reason everything in the present, everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen is perfect is because it is a result of another primary principle, which is that everything is one. Everything is from the universal mind, from the one mind. And humans have access to the universal mind through our individual mind. So there's a difference between what I'm saying, right? I'm not talking about consciousness. I'm not, not talking about your individual mind, which is where we find our thoughts and form our beliefs. As we age, we fall into a trap of believing that our thoughts are facts and they become self-made prisons for experiencing life. The truth is our mind is not our master. It is our tool. Or more precisely, maybe, it is our operating platform. We have access to an infinite amount of thoughts. And I will say that again. Let me slow back and say that again. Because I want you to understand the power of this primary principle. We have access to an infinite amount of thoughts. And when I say infinite amount, I mean an infinite variance, an infinite variability. You can literally think anything you want. And when you can think anything you want, There are no limits to your thinking. I'll give you an example. The airplane is a good one. The airplane has always existed in universal mind. The airplane has always existed, not to say that time, you know, time is always one, but throughout the universal mind, the existence of what is infinite and eternal, the airplane always existed. Everything is one. We're talking one field, one mind, one time, one love, eternal and infinite. And in this space where all things exist, they begins with thought. So the thought comes from the form. The thought comes before the form. The form comes from the thought. The thought occurs first. So the airplane always existed in this one mind of form, this or this universal mind of invisibility before it becomes form. It was always there. And when humans were in the right moment to receive inspiration and creation, The conscious mind, the individual mind, accepts the delivery from the one mind, from the universal mind. And only then, once it's received 
through the human, through the actor, through the mover, through the creator, the builder, then it can become a part of our reality. It can become a part of the world that we experience a form. This is why when one person has an idea, you can usually bet someone else somewhere in the world is having the same idea or the same inspiration because it's coming from the same source, the same universal one mind. Everything is one mind, a universal mind. All of our thoughts come from there and all of our reality comes from our thoughts. So the one mind is the cause of the perfection in the moment, which is the effect or the result. As the moment unfolds in front of us, it is the effect of the oneness thinking or creating. Our understanding of the world is a result of one mind thought. It can form in an infinite potential and yet there is a high state of order to it all. Now, here's the value of this primary principle for you, right? Because I want to do two primary principles. So I'm going to wrap up everything is one right now. Remember, the first primary principle is that everything is perfect. Everything is a story is not a primary principle. That's the singularity. That's the foundation that the primary principles are built from. So the first primary principle is that everything is perfect. The second primary principle is that everything is one and all thoughts, all the particles that initiate creation by becoming ideas in the individual mind begin as a part of the infinite universal mind. And we all have access to this universal mind. This is the power for you because we all have access to universal mind, but only when we are not engaged with our individual mind. The individual mind, right, that conditioning is ideally the oculus from which we maintain a connection with the universal mind and recognize a sense of abundance and oneness. However, <laughs> the universal mind wants to have an authority. Remember, this is the dilemma. This is the human condition. The universal mind, the beta condition, wants to have an authority. It's been conditioned to believe it's an authority. It's been trained to have power. Our entire system of being, our system of educating our children has to do with empowering them through the mind. We're basically putting the mind on a pedestal and saying, hey, this is who you are and who you must be. And then we build up the mind full of a conditioning from society so that we have an homogenized sort of one belief system thinking. Of course, this has only led to chaos and confusion because we are not all the same. We all have individual reflections of inner truth. So the individual mind wants to have an authority and it wants to be the master and it wants to tell you stories about yourself in the world. But when you elevate your alpha brother, you will return to the present moment, recognize the perfection of neutrality in that moment and have access to the infinite oneness of thought from the universal mind that you can use to choose the story that serves you the best. That is everything is one and the value that comes from that primary principle. Now, the mind is not static. The mind is fluid. So even though we find and engage with universal mind through observing a still and silent consciousness, universal mind itself and all thought is fluid and there must be movement. This movement is a wave and it is felt as a vibration. The wave is the first form of movement from matter. Thoughts are invisible. Remember, thoughts are invisible. They are part of pure energy, pure light. They do not have mass. They have no matter. However, they send matter into motion like dropping a rock into a pond. You drop a pebble into a pond and you can see the ripples radiate out. That's the way thoughts initiate 
matter, infinitesimal amounts of matter into motion through a wave-like function. There's a wave created and this feels like a vibration. Now within this universal mind where everything is one, there is a field of, as I mentioned, infinitesimal amounts of matter that move as a wave and are felt as vibrations. All thoughts begin here and the form of thought is vibration. Each thought has its own vibration, as we know from the universal truth. Now, brothers, do you remember the universal truth? I know it's been a while since I've talked to you guys about the universal truth. I've really been introducing some new 2.0 concepts. So always remember that the foundation of the process that I use with my students is the universal truth. We will always begin with universal truth, and we do so to remove the conditioning of the mind that has become a prison of cognition around capacity and worthiness of the self. So we always work through the universal truth to wash, to we have to clean first, right? We get rid of the conditioning, we get rid of the not self. The universal truth says that thoughts create emotions. And when we use the model of alignment to observe the universal truth, it becomes clear that each thought will create its own feeling. This is the human experience of differentiation. In the universal mind, there is an infinite potential of thought where all possible thoughts exist in each moment. All potentials of creation exist at all times. This means that there is an infinite potential of wave. Remember, each thought creates its own emotion. So as there is an infinite potential of thought, there is an infinite potential of emotion, infinite potential of wave, the potential for any vibration to exist or all vibrations to exist at the same time. This is universal love, and this is the third primary principle which is everything is love. So imagine all possible thoughts existing at the same time. There is an infinite possibility of thought, so infinity happening in the moment all at once. This is universal mind, remember, and universal mind moves as a universal vibration, which is love. Everything is one and everything is love. These are the last two primary principles. There are three in total. Everything is perfect, everything is one, and everything is love. This infinite and eternal vibration is moving around us and through us. It is life, and life moves through us. We align with it from the universal mind of our alpha state, and we vibrate with our truth. We are misaligned when we are disconnected from the universal mind because the individual mind has taken undue authority and projects our judgment and comparison. The vibration of emotion is an alert system letting us know that we are not resonating. Now, this doesn't mean that what is happening is bad, my friend. It doesn't mean that something has gone wrong in that moment. Remember, everything is perfect, including thoughts and vibrations. And I've used this analogy before, and I'm going to use it again to bring in the unifying theme of fractions, because perfection gets lost in the fraction of time. We don't see perfection because we are lost in time. Oneness gets lost because of fractions of thought. We don't see the perfect, we don't see oneness because of our own thoughts, our own subjectivity. And love gets lost because of the fractions of vibrations. We misunderstand love 
because of all the other emotions that we have access to as human beings. Universal vibration or universal love is a totality. It is the experience of all the infinite potentials of vibration at once and for eternity. Now, since I call it universal love, you might have an inclination in your brain to think it feels good right? Because love is supposed to feel good. We think, yeah, love feels good. We're meant to feel love. Love is amazing. So if I say universal love is the universal vibration, I think, oh, this is an amazing vibration. This one we feel is going to feel amazing. Just like when I say everything is perfect, your brain might connotate that perfect to think that everything is positive and great and rainbows and puppies and unicorns and all that kind of stuff all the time. Well, if you listened to the podcast last week that if everything is perfect, then you know that that's not what I'm saying. And similarly, when it comes to everything is love and universal vibration, I am not saying that this vibration feels good. In fact, I would say it probably feels mostly neutral and maybe even slightly uncomfortable, overwhelming, but even uncomfortable and overwhelming are still subjective. They're still judgments. So I couldn't even go there. It's just mostly this feeling of totality. And even a totality is a judgment. So it's a feeling that cannot be explained because it is all feelings at once. Here is the analogy. Imagine your two favorite Gatorade flavors. Now, look, if you don't drink Gatorade, it's okay. It doesn't matter because if... You can use anything for this analogy. Think of your two favorite ice cream flavors. Think of your two favorite alcohols. Think of your two favorite spices, right? Think of your two favorite Jolly Rancher flavors. It really doesn't matter as long as there is an abundance of variants. So choose your two favorite Gatorade flavors. Now, mix them together and drink them. And again, like I said, you could do this with ice cream. You could take your two favorite flavors of ice cream, two favorite alcohols, two favorite spices. It doesn't matter. Just take two flavors, your favorites, mix them together and drink them. Now, of course, it's going to taste different than the individual flavors on their own, like when you drink the individual Gatorade flavors. Now, do the same thing with 10 of your favorite Gatorade flavors. So take 10 different flavors, mix them together, and then drink it, right? Take a sip. Now, does the mix taste better or worse than your favorite flavor alone? Who knows, right? I'm not coming down on a judgment here. I'm not going to say it does or it doesn't. I'm just going to ask you to think about it. If you take 10 of your favorite Gatorade flavors and mix them together, is that mix going to taste better or worse than any one of those individually? Take 10 different ice creams, mix them all together. Is that bowl of mix going to taste better or worse than any of the one flavors individually. Okay. Now do the same thing, but different. This time choose your two least favorite Gatorade flavors and mix them and drink them. Right? So now these are ones that you don't like. These these are the ones you, you really, I mean, it's still Gatorade. It's still sugar. Like it's still ice cream, right? It's still whatever. So it's still going to be like not horrible, but you know, choose the ones you don't like, mix them together. And how's it taste, right? Drink it. Now do the same thing. Now do 10. What are your 10 least favorite Gatorade flavors? Mix them together and drink them. And does that mix taste better or worse than your least favorite flavor alone? Once again, who knows? I'm not coming down to it on a judgment on this. It's a thought experiment. And here's the thing with the thought experiment. It's 
when you have these individually, you have the purity of the flavor. You kind of, you, you know, you, you're tasting the grape or you're tasting the cool breeze or you're tasting the, the watermelon or you're tasting the lemon lime or you're tasting whatever, right? Same thing with the alcohol or the ice cream or whatever it is you choose to use for this analogy. The point is, is that you have the flavor in its purity. You can actually savor, you can actually get the fullness of what it's meant to be versus mixing them all together and kind of getting this homogenized mix, this group of, of many different things at once. And whether it's better or worse doesn't really matter. What matters is that it's different. It's just going to be a different, more overwhelming, maybe uncomfortable. Like I said, these things, these are still judgment words, but it's more of an overwhelming, uncomfortable, maybe even more of a neutral flavor because you're adding everything in. And when you get to the totality of infinite, when you get to the totality of all things, when you've added everything, when everything, when all the Gatorade flavors or all the ice creams or everything with this infinite is in this bowl and you drink it, then it's got to be neutral because it's everything. There's nothing missing. There's all the good things, all the bad things, right? All the things that we subjectify, all the things that we break up in our duality, when there's just a oneness, it, be, it has to be neutral. It has to be this vibration of neutrality because it doesn't come to one side anymore. It's not a like or a dislike anymore. With Gatorade, it's more of a cognitive choice. You understand it's a like or a dislike. We don't avoid Gatorade flavors the same way we avoid emotions. So you have to intensify the analogy somewhat, like what I'm talking about, but my point is that if you had a, an infinite potential of Gatorade flavors and there was an infinite variance to choose from and you mix them all together and drank it, that's the way universal vibration would feel or universal love, right? Now, it wouldn't taste good or bad. Once again, it would be everything all at once. It's infinity passing through each moment in time for eternity. There is no judgment of the vibration. There's nothing the vibration is not. It is just pure potential. It's the infinitesimal bits of matter that's that, that are sparked or that spark thought to create form. Now, this primary principle offers both gratitude and awareness. Whereas the primary principle of everything as one allows for abundance, where we have everything as love, we get gratitude because gratitude is the differentiated vibration. We become grateful for our differentiation. It's the Gatorade analogy once again. If you've been drinking from the cup of infinite Gatorade flavor, right? The, all of the infinite flavors mixed together. We call this Gatorade infinity, right? We'll just call this Gatorade flavor infinity, all of them mixed together. And then you're given like 80 to 85 years to experience each of these flavors in their individual tastes you would understand the gratitude of even drinking the flavors that you don't like so much. Like what is your least favorite Gatorade flavor? Now to taste that, to have that experience as a flavor, and even to say, I don't like this, but to have that experience of not liking it allows for gratitude. It allows for the gratitude of being able to say, I don't like this. It's allowing for the gratitude of being able to choose, have the experience to choose, rather than having this homogenized one vibration, this totality of infinity, we're broken into these little bits of vibration. And some we call sad, and some we call anger, and some we call happy, and some we call shame, and some we call confidence, and some we call excitement, and some we call all the kinds of different things because they're emotions and they're feelings, and feelings are vibrations. That's what they are. So we get all of these different fractions of vibrations. And even the ones that we say, ah, you know, I'm not really a fan of this. I'm not really a fan of anxiety. I'm not really a fan of grief. I'm not really a fan of fear. We get to feel it. And by getting to feel it, 
we can be grateful. So that we can be grateful for the experience of pain because of what we learn and gain from it. It doesn't have to be painful. And I know that sounds weird because it does have to be painful, right? I mean, let's be practical. Let's be honest. Pain has to be painful so that you can feel it for what it is, which is pain. But you don't have to suffer from the experience. You can experience the pain and be grateful for it. And by pain, of course, I mean the experience of uncomfortable emotions. I'm talking about anxiety, approach anxiety, social anxiety, performance anxiety, and so on. I'm talking about fear, boredom, insecurity, guilt, shame. You know, the way you allow the emotion to process is through gratitude. And this comes from the primary principle that everything is love or everything is vibration. In addition to gratitude, this primary principle also has a practical application to awareness because for future-focused thinking purposes, this is where the why becomes so important. By meditating on the primary principle that everything is love, you will begin to become more aware of how your emotions determine your results. If you want to create something, brother, the way you feel as you perform the actions will determine the vibration in which the result is returned to you. It's like a sonar ping that you send out into the universe that bounces back to you through the wave field of information, which is the universal one, right? The universal mind. So check this out. When you set up your calendar as a blueprint for how you want to manifest a goal or start a routine or create a new lifestyle, you will do that from your alpha state. And we do this in the 1.0 Academy curriculum. If you enroll in the Academy now, you will be enrolled in the 1.0 curriculum and you will be able to do this. You'll be able to set up a calendar so you can achieve any goal, you know, start any routine, whatever it is you're looking to do, even stop. Like sometimes it's about stopping because it's with buffering. But when you do this, when you go and you set this up, you will be in your intentional mind. You'll be in your true self. How do I determine with intention the way I want to live? Now, when you get your calendar set up and you get to it, like you begin to live it during the week, if it is different than what you're used to, if you're changing things, if you're doing a new routine or a new goal or a new whatever, your brain will resist. It will struggle and you will start to feel uncomfortable. This is the vibration that is usually avoided with buffering or resisting. If you fight through the feeling and just do it, right? Just kind of suck it up the way a lot of people say, like, just, you know, gut it out, you know, feel horrible and get it done. If you do that, if you just do it while you feel intensified suffering due to the avoiding or resisting cognition, then this is how the result of your neutral action will be returned to you. You'll be returned, your result will be returned to you with that feeling, with that vibration, whatever it is, with the anxiety, with the frustration, with the anger, with the bitterness. When you elevate your alpha and you process the emotion, allow the feeling to be, allow the vibration to flatten out, and then realign yourself with the purpose behind the change that you are resisting, which is the why that you had when you were setting up your calendar, and be in your desired cognition. This is the value of meditating on and applying this primary principle that everything is love. All right, brothers, I wanted to complete that series on the primary principle so that we could move on to some other content. And I knew that we could get through that today. I know this has been a longer episode, but just remember, I'm going to quickly recap. Everything is a story. 
We are making this all up. So have fun with it and create a belief system that you will thrive from. Create a belief system that empowers you to greatness. Truth is a pathless land. That is also a story, but I love that story and it's from an amazing human. From there, from everything is a story, we can build that everything is perfect. The result, which is creation, is perfect. Everything is one. The source, the universal mind, and the first cause of creation is a field of oneness full of infinite potential in thought. Through this field flows a wave of infinitesimal bits of matter, and this wave creates a vibration that expands as the universe does, infinitely and eternally. This is universal vibration. Everything is love. Everything is perfection, allows for forgiveness and acceptance. Everything is as it should be. Everything is one, allows for each human to determine their own path and become inspired with new dreams and ideas. Everything is possible and abundant. And everything is love, allows for gratitude and awareness because everything is a gift. That's what I got for you guys today. And that completes the Primary Principle series. I will see you brothers next week. And until then, elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash. Unleash.